0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.
1: Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. How are you doing, my friends? Great to hear from so many of you last week. Happy to hear that you found that episode with Dr. Aaron helpful. It's an enormous amount of information to process right now, and I think we'll have to do this once in a while to to get through this, help us kind of process these challenging thoughts and feelings and the science of it all, and hopefully develop some actionable solutions. I've got Serge Avery on the show today, longtime friend, history teacher from Brooklyn Tech, in New York City, the largest public high school in the country. I'm so happy that he was uh, willing to do this with me and share his experience and insight, both as an educator and a historian. He'll be up in just a minute. If this is your first time listening to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is a place for you to explore and create your own blueprint for health. Having worked in integrative health for more than 20 years, I'm acutely aware of how all aspects of our lives come to have an effect on our overall state of being. And it's my hope that through the content and conversations that you get here you'll become more engaged and empowered, both personally and in your communities. Big thank you to the new supporters of the podcast. Your dollars are helping us build more resource and a whole community of health support. If you appreciate the quality of content that we deliver here ad-free, you can support the show right now for as little as $1 a month by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health or click the support link in the show notes on the app that you're listening on and become a supporter today. And if you're a health professional or involved in a health improvement project, as we discuss here in today's conversation, teachers are certainly essential to our development and daily contributors to our well-being. Please connect with me on LinkedIn or through the contact page on our website, highway2.health, so that I'm aware of your work. I'd love to bring you into this community of health improvement influencers. So if you're a student, teacher, or parent like myself, and feeling trepidation for the upcoming school year, you are not alone. Those of us who uh, experienced the challenges of online learning uh, this past spring are eager to find solutions and methods to keep our children on track in their development through this upcoming school year while navigating the multifaceted challenges of teaching and keeping our kids socialized in a healthy way through the pandemic. Considering the historical event that we find ourselves in the midst of, I could think of no one better than Mr. Serge Avery to help us sift through all of this. With more than two decades of teaching in New York City public schools and a couple years in Hawaii, he brings a perspective that I hope will give insight into what we're experiencing together, how to proceed as educators, and what the other side might look like from a historical vantage point. We start out here talking about his archaeological background and the work that he did before becoming a teacher. Please enjoy my conversation with Serge Avery. I've been thinking about talking to you for a while just because, you know, I I was, I just left New York the last time I was there. I knew you guys had just gotten back. Like, what? What was the date you guys got came came to the mainland again, back from Hawaii? Oh,
0: um,
1: I like returned from
0: I returned from Hawaii actually about one year ago. On oh, you did? Back. Okay. Yeah, and started teaching in September of uh, 2019 back at Brooklyn Tech,
1: which um, I had left. Yeah. Well, may- maybe I just I just was seeing. Uh, pictures you were posting of Hawaii or something and was thinking.
0: Oh, you're correct that I visited in February.
1: Okay, okay, that's yeah, why. yes. Yeah, okay, so you had been I, back for a year. How long were you guys over there for?
0: Uh, the last, I was there teaching with my family for two years, but I had lived in Hawaii two times before that. Right. But this was the
1: longest stint. So why, why Hawaii? I don't think I've ever asked you about that. Didn't you go for, weren't you there for some kind of schooling at some point?
0: It's a good question. Uh, Considering I never had Hawaii on my radar as a place I could wind up living or even necessarily visiting when I was in my 20s. (laughs) Right. But uh, I completed a master's degree in archaeology and had worked mainly in the Middle East uh, as well as continental United States. Where where in the Middle East were you? I worked in Israel and Jordan, uh, as well as visited many of the surrounding countries. But I worked on archeological projects, uh, mainly in Israel and Jordan, and I got a master's degree in Middle Eastern archeology.
1: span oh, wow. So what, what, what were the projects you were working on over there?
0: I was interested in uh, the prehistory of the area because once you get into the sort of early historic historical period having to deal with so-called biblical archaeology it becomes a very contentious subject matter and I thought the period before the written word uh, it was a very sort of maybe a more objective way of uh, approaching studies of land use and
1: Things like that. So, so, so for those of us who don't have the the uh, the scope, what's the what yeah. what, is it, what is that time period?
0: Uh, I was working on projects from what are, was known as the Neolithic period, and I would say that's about uh, five thousand years before present, five thousand years ago, okay, to six thousand years. Yeah, I mean, Middle Eastern archaeology is sort of fascinating. It's, uh, it's almost like a layer layers of an onion and there are so many, there are so many different groups that have occupied the area, uh, and so many people going through that. It's actually an incredibly complex jigsaw puzzle. But I was interested in the period, sort of right before what we would call state formation, uh, sort of like the rise of ancient Egypt and the rise of uh, Israel as a state. Okay. Um, And sort of that transition from hunting and gathering to early agriculture. Gotcha. So that was, and, but you know, it's tough to get a job as an archaeologist, (laughs) but I actually, you can work in what's called salvage archaeology in the United States, Uh, uh, something most Americans don't know about, but federal and state laws require archaeological surveying and investigation before federal funds and state funds are used on building projects especially like highway building. Okay. So I worked as a also known as a contract archaeologist for years in parts of uh, the United States and I had a friend in 1993 working in Hawaii and she got me a job and I showed up there knowing very little about the place hmm. but was completely blown away by the natural beauty of the land and the generosity of its people, especially Hawaiians. It has a very interesting uh, immigration history tied into the last hundred years. Oh, I can imagine. And then I was jumping forward. I became a public school, New York public school, high school history teacher. And we are eligible for sabbatical. And as long as you study within your discipline anywhere in the united states and i think no one no new york teacher had ever thought of studying in <laughs> yeah. and the department of education certainly was not happy they did not want me to go but they could not find a way to turn me down <laughs> so that was in 2010 with my wife and young kids at the time and then after 17 years in new york we thought let's change the pace so that's what brought me there and twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen
1: and then you were and then you were back again for another couple of uh, then you know
0: I routinely have visited okay I mean I was visiting uh actually February of this year okay. as coronavirus was just starting yep. to uh, go into the mainland
1: and and you guys may have i mean i i think i i was i was in New York like early march i I left yeah. on the thirteenth I think. Yes. I, I remember seeing a post that you made, like not that long after I was gone, saying your wife probably had it. I mean, they, they weren't uh, testing. Yes. Testing was really yeah. hard to get at that point. Yeah.
0: So, yes, my wife uh, Rebecca uh, was in Hawaii herself, teaching law school for a month. Took a plane back on the 16th of March, and I'd say 48 hours later, came down with Ugh. certainly what seemed like flu-like symptoms. Uh, even though she had had a flu shot uh, and was really you know pretty sick, luckily, not sick, that had to uh, get us to a hospital and there was no way of testing at that point. there was yeah. no way to get a test in New
1: York City. she had the cough and everything too
0: she definitely had the cough and the fever the only thing she did not have and and this was the loss really of the smell, okay, but she might have yeah but you know strangely we all tested negative for antibodies and so who knows but right. i think she did have it that's
1: that's at, at what point did you get the antibody test
0: it would have been about 3 months after her yeah. Uh, one yeah so and that's probably like,
1: a little too long i mean they say 2, yeah. two to 3 months probably you know Correct. That, that range Correct. so yeah that's yeah. What, so how did you guys manage the the, the quarantine in, in your house yeah. Did so, you as, you, space?
0: as you know, Jeremy, you know, New York City was really hit hit hard, and
1: and so and space is at a premium in homes. So, I, I just I was just trying to figure out how you guys manage that.
0: We are lucky that we have a duplex apartment with two teenage boys who, you know, sort of are at the age where they can do their thing in their section of the house yeah. yet. The first month of, of, of quarantine in New York, I would say it was a very harsh experience. Uh, the streets were empty, except for the sounds of ambulance sirens. And yeah. There was a real fear, and more than a fear, there was death sort of around you. So certainly here in the neighborhood I live in Brooklyn, neighbors died, uh, as well as...
1: Did you have a coworker who died too, I think?
0: I had a 46-year-old coworker uh, history teacher who worked alongside me, who died very suddenly from a heart attack.
1: Oh, it wasn't it wasn't um, coronavirus related, or not he, sure.
0: We do not know at the time if uh, he had it, but he did text his some friends a few days before he passed away, saying he certainly felt like he had the symptoms of coronavirus. Uh. And uh, most of us who know him and know the situation do think. He his death was the result of a coronavirus-related. Uh, so, uh, and you know, the woman who greeted me every day at the YMCA, she passed away. People who worked in bodegas near us passed away. Yeah. Uh, and it, it hit, I think, the minority community of New York City very hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, we kept a uh, positive attitude to the best we could and tried to stay safe and we certainly limited uh our our exposure to other people and i would say i think the biggest challenge at least for my teenage sons was they're at an age where they're so social yeah. and as someone who also teaches kids teenagers of this i just know their social needs are as strong as their need to drink and eat you take it away from adults it's hard I think when you take it away from 16, 15 through 18-year-old kids, it's extremely difficult.
1: Is, is, that, is that one of the, your biggest concerns? I mean, I, I'm sure there's, as you're now in the, in the you know, prep stages for this next year. Oh, by the way, I think since I talked to you last, we found out that we are distance learning starting the year. Oh, wow. You they, are. they made an announcement here yesterday in Minneapolis that basically they're kind of leaving it up to counties. Because you know, yes. in, in, in at least in Minnesota, you know everything is pretty centralized in terms of density around Minneapolis and a little bit around Duluth, and so that's yeah, other other than that, you know the cases are much lower in, the, in those other counties, so they can probably manage if they're if they're sort of smart about distancing in in schools, and you know there may be certain activities where they want them to be masked, or you know I'm sure there'll be a lot of hand sanitizer. But in Minneapolis, the, the cases are still just high enough. They sort of they created a threshold of fifty per yeah. one thousand people. I think is what it, what it, what they wanted to have it be below to to start in class, and I think Minneapolis was at like fifty one per one thousand. Wow, So it's like very close. Wow. And so it's low, you know, compared yeah. to Relative. sort of the, the Sun Belt and some of these places that are getting hit hard right now. But where's where's New York at it at this point? It's, I mean, I, I got some texts yesterday from people saying things have really you know opened up a little bit more.
0: Um. I don't have that statistic for you but I you know I'm pretty sure we're hovering at a one percent or less infection rate mm-hmm. um, and the, the discussion here with the mayor and the chancellor is that we are going to open and what they're calling a hybrid model of, uh, of students probably 60 to 70 percent of their learning will still be done online uh, but then trying to come in few days a week to their physical schools in these sort of pods of small numbers and along with masks and social distancing. I think there's a lot of skepticism from teachers and others that it could be that it will work well and keep people healthy. At the same time, uh, I think the need for you know, if you ask my sons and most of their friends, do you guys want to go back even if it's one or two days a week uh, and you're going to be wearing masks and you're not really going to be hanging out in the lunchroom with your buddies, they all say yes. Okay. So most yeah. say yes.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sort of dealing with the same situation here with, with, with Phoenix. It's like, you know, and, and but he also knows of, you know, all the mistakes that people are making. And I think here, yes. I, I, I think in, in New York, you had a you had a serious wave where you know when once you once you see it and once once it's sort of obvious uh, because you know people who are dying from it i mean we in our family my my wife's um, aunt just passed on tuesday uh, no, from I'm sorry COVID, to hear that. yeah and it, it was it was you know probably she waited a little bit too long to go in you know she was mm. she was older she was close to seventy and um but no major pre-existing conditions so uh, you know, yeah. a, l- a little bit of vascular health stuff, but nothing, yeah. nothing major. Yeah. So, you know, that helped Phoenix to, you know, take it seriously and also realize that, you know, we've also we've sort of brought my mom into the into our family quarantine. So he knows that I, I just told him kind of early on if, you know, if he makes any mistakes, because it's bound to happen to just let sure. us know, because then we yeah. then we know like grandma can't come over for a little bit. <laughs> you know, we got to yeah. see see yeah. how things play out. Yeah, so. we're in the
0: same boat here with, in, in, a, in a way, you know, and I think it's very easy to let your guard down, especially, I mean, I have, you know, adults do. Our social needs are so strong that I find it's, it's pretty amazing that you can tell yourself, well, this feels safe when you sort of know it probably isn't. <laughs> right. um, but as you said, 25,000 New Yorkers died. Uh, relatively quickly yeah so i do think even amongst young people here there is a a severity to the situation that they comprehend and as if i could generalize they take it seriously and want to stay safe
1: are there are there most people know
0: someone who died yeah yeah
1: are are there teachers who are not going to come back because they feel like the, the risk is too high for them you know?
0: Uh, There are, so there's a process here. You know, New York City teachers are part of a strong union and there's a process here to apply for certain medical exemptions that uh, uh, if medically documented uh, should be granted with underlying health conditions as well as age. Uh, Again, I'm on a chat uh, with, you know, I work in actually the largest high school, public high school in America right now. We have 6,200 students, oh, wow. 300 teachers. Um, so it's a massive place. I, I didn't work realize
1: in Tech was that big. Uh,
0: in my 17 years there, it, when I arrived, it was about 3,500.
1: Is that right? And, at,
0: and now we are all, not double, but close to double. Oh, wow. And We're really at capacity. So to be honest, it's really a challenge to figure out how to keep how to bring in 6,200 students and 300 adults plus, that doesn't even count, support staff. So almost 7,000 people
1: Yeah,
0: in a safe way, in a staggered, clearly you're not going to have 7,000 in the building. Uh, I And I do feel for the administration of my school because they've been sort of left with the job of trying to figure out how to make this safe. And they're not epidemiologists
1: they're Right, health officials. I know yeah. and and you know i i've I've been trying to i, I just did a podcast um this this past week about really kind of you know dealing with some of the myth busting around what's what's going on with the virus because it's it's very hard yeah. just like anything else you once you hear something to disprove that data or just you know the, the, the some of the ideas that people have and, and some of it seems crazy and I think if we if we understand what that looks like and you know what that distance looks like how how things can move how how masks you know yeah. help and and just so that, so that it's demystified a little bit it's not it's not that hard to manage. I feel like we could we could be doing a much better job if we weren't caught up in the some of the politicking around it. Uh, not yes. that, I think that's why we've gotten to the point where we are right now.
0: Yes. I mean, even if you put the politics aside, the uncertainty, the medical science on this seems to change day by day. So, yeah, for exactly. example. The new studies showing that actually now it seems kids are can be pretty contagious. And, and I think for teachers, this is the one thing we've been told, don't worry, kids don't catch it. You won't catch it from them. And there just there's, seems to be real uncertainty behind the studies on this. So I think there's the confusion and uncertainty is what makes it really unsettling.
1: Yeah. And, and and I don't think the, the layperson can necessarily process this much information day after day after day. We're, you know, we're almost six months in here. Yeah. And that's, it's just a, you know, when, when the information keeps changing constantly, it's hard to, hard to stick with it. And we just, you know, end up like at a certain point. I think the sort of back to what you were talking about about your boys like there there are just some sort of essential needs that yes. if they're not getting met we we will will take some risks and yeah. you know my question is can we can we figure out how to manage those risks even more like you know could we give each other hugs if we had both had masks on, you know, stuff like that? Yeah. Like, it, there there are things that we're going to that some mistakes that we're going to make. But, you know, everybody's going to be risk managing here to some extent yeah. uh, uh, until this is finally gone. And, you know, I I just sort of assume that we're in this for another year or so. And I think if you if you think about it from that standpoint, then it's just a matter of like, we're just going to we're just going to manage this until it's until it, the numbers go down to the point where it's it's no longer a a real issue anymore and there you know there may be a herd immunity part of that but it also may be one of those things that you know we just have better testing for to know what's happening like right on the spot faster tests you know yes and and then you know let's hope there's some kind of vaccine but i i I still think that there there will be there'll be holes in the vaccine as soon as that comes out too not that it's not worth it to take i just think that it's it's never going to be perfect i mean none of the flu vaccines are
0: you know, as, as a history teacher, you know, I teach how change impacts society, right? And yeah. I feel that's actually one of my biggest goals as a teacher of uh, history is to sort of get kids to sort of see these examples from the past about how quickly the known world can change. And I do think COVID 19 is one of these sort of world shattering events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how we come out of it is still out there in the open as to you know some countries i think are going to come out of it better than others Mm -hmm. it's too early to tell how we're going to do but i think history the study of history really shows you that the ability of people to adapt to change is this vital ingredient to the survival of our species uh and so we're actually living through one of these moments which is sort of rare uh over the grand sweep of history
1: isn't there something about human yeah. behavior that's that's always kind of built into history too that you it seems like you can't help but study if you're if you're in it?
0: Yes. I actually think historians, you know, historians study texts basically. That's what they do. Yeah. And social scientists, anthropologists, sociologists, psychologists, you know, are studying human behavior. Sometimes the two don't meet enough um but it's I think this Pandemic is causing us to think a lot about human behavior. So historians study, for example, the human behavior that occurred during the Black Death to the best of their ability, right. based on texts and archaeology, or the human behavior that happened during the Spanish uh, flu, as well as what governments do lead- and what leadership does. All very important. You know? Right. So there's been a lot of historians trying to mine the past to see the response of humans to Pandemics. I mean, there's actually interesting. If you went on Amazon to look at how many books have been written about how pandemics have shaped history, I think you'd be surprised how many.
1: <laughs> Is that right? Uh,
0: there are. Yeah, it's, it's actually a sort of ripe field of historical inquiry. There's been a lot of studies on the impact of plagues and people, with a good dozen titles written by, you know, some, some uh, very qualified historians. So for example the black death one of the things historians notice there's this opening that allows society to be recreated in a slightly more equitable way because actually it wipes out anywhere between 30 and 70% of Europe the labor force mm-hmm. is decimated all of a sudden labor is worth more oh, yeah. so the aristocracy has to figure out how to pay labor more how to and and as a result the working class seem to move up in society somewhat i mean this is like slightly positive take on when historians look at some of the changes Mm -hmm. uh that came out of these things like so the italian renaissance or the, the renaissance in florence they say really the plague has a lot to do with what happens there but i'm not an expert
1: and 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 probably any war, any major war that's gone on has some of the same qualities, right? I mean, early in yeah. the pandemic, people were sort of referring to this as like this invisible war, and which you know it's it's not that far from the truth when you think about you know what a what a place goes through. I mean, certainly in Minneapolis, we've had some <laughs> times yeah. are times are changing you know quickly by the day. I mean, the the crime rate in July has has just skyrocketed, and I think a lot of it has to do with the the impacts of people who really just didn't have access to to some of these you know programs that are all, all of a sudden you know that that stuff is is really kicking things into gear on top of the the protests and the people who have you know lost work from the pandemic and you know th- from some of these neighborhoods that were decimated during the protests here too so yeah. Yeah. I actually had a friend whose wife was was um, had a gun put to her head at noon on Tuesday here. Mm. And yeah. the, you know, at a paint store, coming out with no n- no cash or anything on her, just going in for something that she had already ordered online. You know, so I mm-hmm. mean that that's that's unheard of. It's it's really like you know, it was, it's about a half block from where I, my office used to be, not you know, technically a, a a neighborhood that you would be concerned about going into at any any point and, until recently. Yeah. So. You know, there, there are there are some things that are shifting very quickly there. And I've heard, even in New York, I don't know, I, I'm sure you're probably spending most of your time in Brooklyn at this point, but I've heard there's, there's been quite a few problems in the city, too.
0: There's certainly been a spike in crime. Uh, I do think that's probably like a complicated avenue to then maybe discuss what, you know,
1: oh, in the context of police, <laughs>
0: reform, yeah. of police reform demands and whether the police are how they're policing right now and what's going on. So, yeah, yeah. but, you know, but the one thing, if you, again, I'll go back to history, uh, in the black death, many of the writers of the time talk about a sort of free for all feel to society. Um, there's talk of, uh, increased, you know, sort of, there is uh, lots of, uh, irregular sexual activity during this time as mm-hmm. people are thinking the world's coming to an end uh, with death all around them, all sorts of things. They retreated into all sorts of occult practices. And so, again, these pan- these events really, I think, expose all these vulnerabilities and belief systems. And The historians will ha- have a lot to study on this one yeah I'm pretty
1: sure and and you know i'm I'm just hearing more and more I mean because what you're talking about is basically you know mental health challenges, yeah, you know the ability to process your your current reality and if you have you know a, a challenge in your past, you know any sort of yeah. trauma or anything th- this this is such a triggering period and it just makes it harder and harder to process and i I, I treat a fair amount of trauma and and stuff and so the a lot of the therapists, you know both the therapists i treat <laughs> who are yeah. overwhelmed and and some of the people that they're working with end up coming in to see me at times like this because it's just you know you 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 have to like figure out ways to you know sometimes my role is really to kind of create space for people to decompress more than anything because it's very it's very challenging you know especially when you're sort of on your own or you know not not having these you know very important in person Uh, conversations or just, you know, being able to have physical contact with, with another person that that's, that's one of the ways we, we process. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, back to your boys again, I'm thinking a lot about this as my, you know, I feel like daily, I, I, I I tend to have a lot of empathy in general. So I, I struggle with what my kids are probably experiencing right now and how it's going to affect them. And so, you know, I, it was a little, as do I, yeah, I'm sure. And so, and I think
0: uh, it's not being discussed yet in the way it should be yeah you know and maybe you know more about this than i do in like mental health field you know figuring out how this what you should be doing as these things develop but i as someone who just spent three months teaching 170 kids online i realized the mental health needs of my students i had no idea what was going on but I knew it wasn't great especially when I got emails in the middle of the night that such and such as parent was taken to the hospital Yeah, these were these heartbreaking emails that I received the guidance staff in public schools and school psychologists God bless them they do very hard work but they're stretched very thin
1: Yeah,
0: and so again 6,000 students maybe two social workers one psychologist Uh, and so and teenagers don't just tell their teachers or their parents what's going on. Yeah. So uh, I it, I think it's I think we're going to be there's going to be a reckoning with this for a while with yeah. young people.
1: Yeah. And and I think maybe that's one of the things I mean one one thing that I'm hearing in Minneapolis as far as the school system is concerned is they I mean there's a few different, you know, pieces to this. I mean, you have some some kids in school whose you know parents are essential workers you know they they're either in in healthcare or they're in jobs that have not closed down because they're essential services and that's that's a very you know difficult thing to to deal with and here th- there were a few schools that that allowed some of those essential workers in like they, they had them kind of all in in you know like one school I know here so that they could sort of keep them somewhat on track with their studies but also just have a place for them to to be able to go every day and they kept them in small groups within the schools. Yes. Um I don't know is that is that did they do something like that for you guys or
0: um so the 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 the, re, the real idea here of reopening in the fall is to meet some of those needs of, of certainly students who you know many are living with three siblings in a one bedroom apartment. Uh, the idea is to create some spaces. Even if, so you know, right now in, in New York City, parents have the option of saying, I'm going to keep my kid home. They can receive instruction 100% yeah. of the time. So yeah. every parent has the option here. And I believe that's probably in many school districts right now. But I think there was this real acknowledgement that maybe we lost a third to 40% of students who just didn't check in. And and then you start to realize what's how important schools are and the social services they provide. Oh, I know. And social and so and food. Yes, exactly. Food structure, support, encouragement. Uh, it means a lot. And I can tell you I can, I think I could speak for a lot of teachers. Certainly teaching them via you know, online is just not the same as a the presence. I mean, we, again, it goes back to sort of some of these things you're talking about with our social needs. Like yeah. being in a room together means something. Yeah. Um, kids I had who were so social in a class just stopped talking online in like a Zoom class. They just shut down, and I sort of get it. I didn't really feel like talking much. Yeah. Uh, over a computer every day, you can do it supplement but it was the idea that all of a sudden this was our new world but it was better than nothing
1: yeah oh absolutely yeah but there's so much but there is just there's so much lost in that and and i i mean so my daughter is gonna start fourth grade this year and sort of just you know third grade is just not quite old enough to have that real sort of self-motivating piece and i think there's there's just something about i mean the, the, it was just such a battle to get the school work started. They would do like a check in every morning, and then after that, we would we would do school work. But she was kind of exhausted by the Zoom call, so she wanted to break, which is understandable. Sure. Yeah. But then to try to get things rolling again at some point in the day after that is is like almost impossible. You know, I give her like half yeah. hour and say, okay, I'm gonna. <laughs> sometimes I just set an alarm on like Alexa or something, just yeah. so like there was like a structure to it where there was a tone and that meant we're back on the kind of like the school bell, you know, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise it's like really hard to, you know, to come up with strategies for you, you know, with your kids. But when they're in school together, they're just yeah. doing what everybody else is doing. You're sort of in it together, even if, you know, most kids complain about school at this age. So, it's a, uh, you know, Correct. but, but, to, but to have that just, it's just the presence of those people around you that kind of keep that, that energy is really what kind of keeps you in it.
0: Yes. I mean, and as you're talking about your daughter, young daughter, you know, I'm thinking we all know these stages of development in children yeah. and, you know, they become, we sort of, society sort of makes them technological beings where they become connected with, with screens. They don't come out of the womb that way. And, I, you know, I think it's so joyful to see little kids interacting. It's so important. Right. Right, um, and there's I, you know, I think elementary schools should be having a serious discussion about how to stay open. Uh, as does, I guess, the American Academy of Pediatrics. You know?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so teenagers, they're different, but I, I just, you know, it pains me to think of your young daughter trying to get through a day on a laptop.
1: Right. I mean, and 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 luckily, I mean. Uh, Unfortunately, I, my practice was, you know, closed down in the spring, so I was able to be present, you know, this, you know, with, with unemployment ending, I'm probably going to end up, you know, working a, a very small schedule so that I can be present for this. and. You know when you're when you're at home all day long you, you have to you have to cook a couple of meals for everybody's so, you know keeping enough food in the house with a teenager as well you know like i'm at yeah. the, i'm at the store two or three times a week just <laughs> yeah. filling same, up the code here yeah. you know which you know that's it's there there's something that's been very nice about that you know too just to be able to have that you know all the time yeah. but you know it's it's an it's yeah. It's a lot to focus on, and sometimes I'm exhausted and can't focus on, you know, all the needs of, of of the kids either. But you know, it's it's a very different situation between Phoenix, who's who's starting his senior year of high school, and her yeah. in terms of development. Like, I'm I'm concerned about him, you know, on some level in, in the same way with your boys, with, of just not he's he's lonely a lot of times, you know, and it's that's yeah. that's that's hard to see, but you yeah. know, he can he can kind of express that in a way where. She's yeah. she, I think she's going through things sometimes, but doesn't have the the history to, you know, sort of compare it to anything else. And so that's right. You know, we're we're and yeah. we're taking advantage of the summer as much as we can and being outside and going for bike yeah. rides with her friends. And last night we had pizza outside <clears throat> with one of her friends and, and parents and stuff. So, you We've know, been doing it's, the
0: same here in
1: New York, some some of that can happen. But my 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 concern is for the for the cooler weather. What are we? Right. What, what are we going to do? I mean, I've been thinking about do we do we get some really just badass you know winter stuff so that we can spend time outside seeing the seeing the kids that way. That might be what we have to do this year to keep some of the you know that contact to to, to you know have have them see each other face to face.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think we need to pursue these creative ways and innovative ways which, you know, I think you commented, I posted something on social media. The Times ran a story on how during the Spanish flu of uh, 1918, schools, many of them moved to outdoor classrooms. Yeah, yeah. And the journalist's point was, gee, why are we not on on a war footing for this with education? Like, We really haven't come up with anything except to say, you can sit seven kids in a room with your mask, or you can all go home and learn from your laptop. Yeah. But there's clearly some things in the middle of that and it really doesn't seem that they're being pursued, I think. Uh, and I'm somewhat I'm pretty dismayed by the lack of discussion around sort of these methods, but I think we're still in this sort of state of fear and paralysis. Uh, yeah. and there's you know, and there's sort of a politics to
1: All of it as well so. and and just the fact that we you know, considering the fact that there's this many books on a- Amazon about pandemics right <laughs> that we had no preparation in schools in medicine, you know in our country right. in general where yes. where places like Germany ha- basically had a plan in place already like they had yes. you know, they, they had yeah. documented and and why yeah. are we not looking to th- what they're doing and, and yes. you know I'm yes. Trying to figure that out.
0: Right. As we would with any history.
1: Yeah. That's
0: right. And of course, a lot has to do with, I think, a pretty American, a unique American relationship between its people and its government. You know? And so the German relationship to their government, I think, is different than the American. And, and yeah. we don't have time for that long lecture, and there's a lot of other people <laughs> more qualified to discuss it. But I think we are really seeing the impact of 20, 30 years of belittling experts, questioning facts and objectivity, shaping scientific narratives to political ends. Uh, You know, this this is like sort of this perfect storm. And I think you could see it in our, and you could see the result in the death count and the almost somewhat, you know, pandemonium yeah. out there, uh, and it's it's. Just, I think every people who are really looking with their eyes open, Americans, I think, have to be disturbed at what they're seeing. And knowing, I don't think, as you're pointing out, it didn't have to be this way. I mean, countries like Vietnam and Thailand actually are doing interesting things. You know, that the Vietnam claims to not have had a death. Uh, but New Zealand are, is not a richer country than America, but they've figured out how to really minimize COVID risk to a point where they're, you know, they're up and running right now.
1: So. Well, I think you're right the, the, that it, this is about our relationship with government, and I think that's, yeah. you know, when, when I talk to friends in, in Europe, I have a friend in Hong Kong, just just sort of hearing the way, and you know, it, and Hong Kong has got its problems. But they've also kept the, the virus yes. down, you know. And part of it is there, there is a certain amount of compliance. They've also had more experience with, you know, H1N1 and some other things in the last yeah. 10 years. So it's, I, I think we, we've, we've been lucky in, in the States to not, you know, have to go through some of those other ones. Yes. But it's, it's yeah. worked against us in this situation.
0: No question. Uh, America, even, you know, geographically, Is situated in a place where it's just not as exposed to global pathogens and uh, and other things that can disrupt the society.
1: In in terms of in terms of your teaching for the fall, are 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 you do do you have a certain amount of flexibility for the way that you can sort of do your teaching, or do they have some things that are that are sort of built in that you have to follow? as far as curriculum is concerned? Because, I mean, I feel like curriculum just got dropped at a certain point last spring. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's, uh, that's an interesting question in that, so New York, I think, is somewhat unique. There's a there's 100,000 teachers, and we're all, almost all of us, are part of uh, a strong teaching union. And what that usually means is there's sort of uniform policies. Charter schools uh, are able to, can circumvent sort of some of these policies. But it sort of means that within a classroom, Jeremy, yes, we can, 20 teachers can teach the Spanish flu and use a variety of methods to teach it. but as far as policies to so like, hey, are, are we gonna teach for two hours online or five hours in person, that's, those decisions are gonna be made en masse for all these teachers. So from a labor perspective, that's strength that you have, this sort of union. Yeah. From a sort of flexibility perspective, there's some problems in that you know you're not that nimble to sort of go around some of the rules so i mean all this is being played out right now at a very high level between union leadership and the mayor and the department of education so for example we were told to teach live but students were told they didn't have to attend Mm -hmm. our live classes this is my school specifically
1: now what's your class size
0: 34 students to a class max and okay. almost every class I teach is 30 to 34 and New York City high school teacher teaches about five classes a day. So at those numbers, it's almost 170 students a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's pretty, so one on, you know, there's not much hand-holding that can happen, right. even though students need that. So it's, it's a challenge.
1: So how much, how much of your day? was one-on-one compared to the, to the classes?
0: Uh, we, we had mandatory, I should say mandatory for teachers, office hours every day okay. of one hour uh, in the afternoon. And most teachers, again, at least at my school, I think would say they were pretty disappointed in that very few students came to quote-unquote visit us. Again, the medium of the Zoom meeting so for example, our, our school's policy was their cameras had to be turned off. Okay. So I could not see the faces of my students. Oh, that's tough. Very, yes. Yeah, so again, teaching's a very humanistic pursuit. And then all of a sudden you're told, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to faceless tiles. And the students who are, you know, at a time in their life where they're highly emotional and highly sensitive, all of a sudden, are told, you know, that teacher you had a nice relationship with, uh, you have to try to talk to them in this very strange, awkward, off-putting way, yeah. and it just didn't work. Yeah, and at and least <clears throat> in remote education, one it, and you can look across America at all the talk of this; it, it, it basically failed.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, you could, I'm sure you could ask any teacher you know what got them into teaching i'm sure a lot of it is to you know there's a there's a performative aspect of of teaching where you you love that engagement just like a you know a stand up comic would Of like it's you and those 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 faces and and being able to see the the engagement with those faces is what you is is you know where you get your your energy for the job
0: no question and no question and i think Most good teachers are really what I would call classroom teachers, that their energy is coming out of that classroom and that dynamic, that very human and social dynamic that includes a lot of laughter and a lot of just connecting over time to each other in a learning environment. There's an organic process to that that's very hard to replicate online. Not impossible. I think no. there are schools out there who are certainly more advanced in what is online education. And I think we need to be I'm, – I'm somewhat uh, disappointed that – so now I've had like six months to start thinking about how to do this again in the fall. And there's been very little professional development or, or serious discussion about what makes a good you know, an interactive online classroom. Like Stanford University has an online high school that's considered one of the best in the country. They clearly know a few things. You know, we need to tap into that.
1: Yeah. Do do you have any? Was there anything that you learned from the spring that that you feel like you? I mean, 170 students is a lot to address, but just in terms of. in in terms of being able to figure out ways of engagement. I mean, I think that's the tricky part if you, especially if you're just looking at tiles on a screen to be able to think about, and like my daughter's going into a a new school this year, she's not even going to, you know, meet the teacher. So like, where do you start with that, you know, that, that relationship?
0: Uh, I think what has to be figured out is how to get the group to engage with each other. So whether that's, the chat room, like a blog that you create where students are talking to to one another. Mm Because let's not forget that a huge part of the learning process is also students-to-student interaction with a teacher, of course, leading and guiding this. But so again, recreating that digitally and remotely to me seems really a challenge. What I found is that students really like their if they like their teachers (laughs) there's a lot of teachers they don't like (laughs) they like the personality their teacher so i had to try to figure out how to replicate my personality which you know includes certain types of jokes and some limited sarcasm and how i would write a letter to my class to start today every morning like it took me months to sort of get my tone back
1: Yeah, that's new
0: medium or something close to it.
1: That's that's a muscle you got to you know work out for a little bit. It seems like very much so
0: because early on I was stiff. Yeah, and even as I'm talking to you right now, this isn't my natural way of interacting with people. It's I sort of gesticulate a lot with my hands. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) Yeah, as you know. So it's it's a muscle that needs to be developed and and jeremy i'm i'm looking at it like actually as a sort of a learning a real learning moment for me and i'm trying to be positive like i've taught now 20 years this is this is a new thing i need to get better at and i need to figure out how to do that because it's a reality it's not going away right covid could end in six months online education in one form or another is here to stay
1: yeah so that's that's the way I'm looking at this too I feel like we're we're at the, we're there's a we're we're on a precipice here you know what is what does after this look like yeah and 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 you know trying to pretend i mean i think there's there's a lot of people who have these sort of rosy predictions that are that are just getting you know demolished week after week you know they yeah. get, they they get out they feel optimistic and then they get shot down and it's i I don't think that's a healthy way to continue to to progress. I think we have to kind of look at you know, what the, what the, you know, predictable reality is here. And I think the only thing we can say at this point is that just see, seeing what's happened in the last six months in the country, you you know, that it's going to be around for a while. So let's, yeah. let's make the most of this situation, whether it's, you know, in our, in our homes or, with our friends or in our schools. I feel like that's that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it in my practice, too. You know, there are people who are I'm I'm not going to see for a long time. I've been coming to New York to treat people yeah, for a long time. And, you know, those are the people, that, you know, who I'm starting to hear more and more from in text. You know, they're 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 missing that the, you know, the our relationship was a lot about uh, There's there's a closeness that develops. Some people have treated for 20 years, you know, so. I'm I'm almost kind of like one of their family members, and you know, they I'm I'm a touchstone for a, a lot of things as it as it relates to how they stress manage and you know just just a, a certain tone that I think I kind of bring to their lives just just from being present at this point you know early on they came to me for something critical but yeah. <laughs> now we're just sort of there there for tune-ups and and check-ins so yes i think i'm i'm even in the same boat as you i'm trying to figure out how can i how can i best keep those people on on the same track and and i'm i, I think i'm going to probably end up doing it more through writing and maybe even doing some video which is not my comfort zone but you know, just, just so that they, they have some, you know, little, little piece, it's going to take more work for me. It's, it's something I'm, I'm not accustomed to doing. I mean, starting the podcast, at least I got, I got used to writing for, for voiceover type stuff, but you know, this is, this is a little bit different. (laughs) And luckily I have the podcast where, you know, I know that some of them are just checking in, uh, listening to me just to sort of hear my voice, you know, but it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a, I I think most people have to really kind of come up with just some, you know, something that they can make peace with for now, given the situation.
0: That's right. Um, Maybe what I can relate to that is I didn't tell you why we left Hawaii, but um, after two years there and we were all very content, uh, I have a 70, now 79-year-old father who over the last five years, He's, had, he's been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have my in-laws uh, in Connecticut, luckily very healthy, but in their 70s. And we decided, you know, being 7,000 miles away from family members, yeah. especially one who is facing real health challenges, my father, uh, and the joy they receive from seeing their grandchildren, as well as their own children, yeah. uh, we decide decided. You know, I wasn't sleeping that well at night in Hawaii after two years being that far away from a father with a health issue. Yeah. So we moved back, and of course, the sort of sad irony is I, I moved back to be closer to my father, and now visiting my father is very fraught with risk yeah. and yeah. danger. Uh, but I have made the decision to. to best of my ability to sort of try to stay safe. And I've visited him three times since this has begun and including with my children. And then, uh, but again, each family manages these decisions differently.
1: Going, going forward with, with, uh, this fall teaching. Yeah. uh, Are you, are you kind of waiting to, to, to get some word now? I mean, as far as, as far as, because you guys don't start till late September, right?
0: Uh, we, we, actually start after Labor Day traditionally doing? which is early September uh and right now the start date has not been announced but we are operating under the assumption that it would be sometime in September but I guess it could be pushed to the end we're again I think there are many teachers nervous about going back into a classroom if i'm being honest i think i'm in somewhat in a minority that i I am okay with going back if in what I if, in what I hope will be a safe way to me it's the risk is worth seeing my students even in this pretty limited capacity. Yeah. You know, teachers, I think it's hard for us as teachers to say well we're essential workers, all those other essential workers who are out there driving subways, buses, supermarkets that they should come in, but we shouldn't, again, it's very, uh, I'm not speaking for all teachers here, just myself. uh, Most of my colleagues do not want to go back actually.
1: If I could generalize. And, and, you know, it, it is there. It's a moment I have been thinking about it a lot too, where we are, you know, calling one thing essential, you know, it's, it's it's sort of hard to define what that, what that is at this point. Yeah. I, and I you know i'm i was I was starting to think, you know it's now worth it for me the same same kind of thing, like to to you know, I treat people one on one hands on work. Um, you know yeah. there's there's some risk there for for sure, but you know what how how essential is that for certain people? I have some people who live with you know high levels of anxiety or you know, That's manage right. chronic pain or things like that that you know, to them, there 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 is a point at which if they don't get the support the and and what i provide can kind of only happen in person then they're missing something essential for for themselves so i like i've kind of realized i'm going to i'm going to you know try to try to look at this situation and 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 do everything i can to to you know get myself to 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 be available because and and you know i may end up with some sort of distance ways of doing this i've already kind of figured out ways to do because i teach movement work as well i kind of right you know what i do is almost kind of a physical therapy you know combination of different things with some osteopathic work so if if you know if i can if i can provide certain things from afar and you know sometimes my my voice and presence is enough for them on a screen. Sometimes it's clearly not, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to try to like, you know, adapt to to this situation as much as possible. And, you know, I've just like you, I I feel like I I have to kind of think about this in a way where I'm I'm hoping that I can learn something from this, that this isn't, this is an opportunity as well.
0: Yes. I've been trying to, uh, uh, you know, apply that approach, but I, so, for example, I decided as a fifty-year-old man, I should really start paying more attention to my health, as I've always been a reluctant. Uh, in what way? Advocate. So, I was right before the pandemic. I was pretty regular at my local Y, uh, doing exercise as well as starting yoga for the first time in my life uh, with an instructor and one other friend of mine. So, almost semi-private. Life. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: and. At and interestingly enough, when the pandemic hit and she moved her yoga class to Zoom, I actually have not been on one single class yeah. Yeah. since then, knowing I really should because I want I, there was some momentum and I know I'll get something out of it. But i have not yet. I just, you know, I you know, you teach history, you realize people cling to their. The past, they cling to their regular structures. It's very hard to make these changes. Yet change comes, and you're, and you're caught flat-footed. Uh, and I need to also to sort of become a little more adept at moving and changing. So, yeah, that, you know, that's my own take. So I'm trying not to just complain and say I can't teach on Zoom. I can't. I just need to, like you just said, sort of figure out how to meet this challenge and and you know i do believe in the so called growth mindset and i think there are all these new things one can learn and and right now is an opportunity to
1: do this so. yeah and 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 there's probably going to be a part of what we do because I, on some education and on some level i feel like i'm i'm an educator yeah. and and i i know that there's that there's some stuff that's being missed during this time but i think there's there's a part of us where you know we had a, we kind of had a captive audience when we could be with people yeah. and so now we we really are going to have to go through a, a learning process of how do we how do we engage and and you know get get people excited about doing this for themselves in in the same way that you know you know that you that these yoga classes would be helpful for you yeah but you know, and part of it is that I think we, we are we're also overwhelmed. It's exhausting. I mean, there are there are times when you you just really can't can't get your, you know, because you're processing so much different information, yeah. you can't keep your head in the in the, the right space at times. you know I've we you and I share a good friend and we text all the time. Um, and and you know one of the things he's asked he's asking me all the time is like, you know, are are you getting anything done? You right. Know, I, feel, I, feel like, I, I, I feel like, I feel like we're, we're all just kind of in a spin right now. And, and I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, and, and some of it is the summer, you know, and, and yeah. you know, it's, it is that time where there are, there are parts of me that feel like I really should just, you know, let down right now and just enjoy this a little bit too. And then, and I have, yeah. I have my moments for sure. You know, if I take my daughter, you know, to the, to the lake yeah. to swim or yeah. do something like that, I can really get into that. Moment, but like the the minute that we're out of that, you know, I'm I'm back in my head again, kind of going through all this stuff. So, I, I think some structure, you know, would would is is going to be helpful, and I think school is going to you know provide that, and I think maybe that's the most important thing that you know maybe teachers and educators in general can kind of focus on right now is just like really yes. really engaging that structure. Yes,
0: I mean students really. Like knowing what maybe most people do. Yeah, I actually yeah. feel like I'm slightly an, an atypical teacher in that I like still a lot of teachers I work with, not that they do the same thing over and over again, but they really like knowing two weeks in advance exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And I certainly riff a lot more and get a lot out of that. And I think my students get my style and I think it works. Yeah. At least that's what I tell myself. But, <laughs> um, so yes getting back some of that structure which was really lost and that's how we lost students and, uh, but again you know i was thinking about what i just told you about the yoga teacher i realized the reason i kept going back is that i really liked her as a teacher yeah. She' was really good and i thought how good can it be when i just see her online it's not going to be the same yeah. so i'm not but i need to overcome that
1: well, I'm I'm even just thinking like as as we're talking knowing knowing how you like to riff like there and and I you know I got involved in 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 doing a podcast just because of the way that I was using them and reali- yeah. realizing that you know it's it's one of those things that's sometimes it just it occupies a a separate space in the way that people used to just have a radio on in the background and that's you right. know listen to NPR or you know some talk news or whatever there's 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 a there's a piece of that that i think can be you know and and i i know people who have desk jobs who basically just always have you know some kind of thing on in the background because they can multitask you know to some extent with with these kinds of things or when you're exercising or whatever and there 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 may be some ways to start using you know technology for these kinds of things where maybe you know let me know I'll, i'll help you uh i'll help you put together something for your your classes or something if you if you have have I'll a take topic on that. that 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 you might want to you know present yeah. and and have have it be fun like it's it's not it's not that hard to to engage but I think we have to come up with some some ideas yeah. like that and I'm I am i I'm not a person who's been comfortable on video but I'm realizing that I think this year I'm going to have to sort of step into that a little bit because yeah. of you know, a little bit of because of having an audience, but also because I, I I know a lot of people who, and and just because I'm I'm sort of you know in the myth, in the mix with so many different kinds of therapies, where I hear things and I think of solutions, and I think you know there's this very you know specific thing that can be sort of taken uh, broken down simply for people and and there 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 are people who are really trying to get this information and and that's kind of the way I've thought about you know the podcast is just di- distilling some of this i think there are some people who listen to this who are in health fields and there are some people who are you know they they just kind of stay tuned into the things like this because they're they're looking for solutions too and i think that this you know the same thing could happen in education i'm i'm kind of you know i i think there there could be something in terms of entertainment, <laughs> I mean, could, yeah. which is what I think it almost kind of has to be at this point. Where, where well, you, can you know, really a good engage. teacher
0: does some entertaining, that's for sure. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, speaking of podcasting, that's something actually for years now I've been thinking I really need to get my students uh, maybe doing, and the private school I taught at in Hawaii, there were teachers having their students podcast.
1: Oh, that would be was, cool it was this would be a really great time for that too you can you can do it pretty simply so uh, i'll just put it out there right now anybody who's interested hit me up i I can give you some real simple basics to to make it happen without too much cost
0: well i'm gonna hit you up
1: all right cool man well hey thanks thanks so much for doing this surgeon it's great to talk to you and i i miss you and uh i miss you too hopefully we can we can uh, do this in person again at some point
0: yes uh six feet apart beer in hand <laughs>
1: that's right
0: and uh yeah i would like to hopefully see you soon but jeremy uh, it was a nice nice time
1: likewise sir J. Avery, folks always so great talking to him what is essential, one of the things that came up here in this conversation, is something that I think is a pretty important for us to sit with right now, and I believe we can be much smarter about managing the risks with COVID if we have a better understanding of what we truly need, both personally and collectively. And what is essential, I think, will just inevitably surface, and what I'm feeling personally What I find myself craving is this regular physical presence of those people that I was so accustomed to spending time with. You know, hugging when we meet, sitting elbow to elbow at a conference, deep in conversation next to one another on bar stools. Proximity to one another, as as science has shown in so many studies, is what really breathes life into us. It calms our nervous systems, it improves our moods, It floods our brains with neurochemicals and allows us to feel all those good feelings. And history tells us that, you know, on the other side of these moments of loss are opportunities to improve. I believe that we were getting off track before quarantine with something that was probably essential to our nature. And if if we're going to improve as a culture, we need to have what's essential be the building blocks Of what we become together as a society on the other side of this. Let me know what you thought of this topic and conversation. You can always reach me at Jeremy at highway2.health. And if you found anything important or timely here, don't forget to share it with anyone else who you think would appreciate it. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends.